0: Welcome to Bedtime Story Adventure 2020, Children's Urban Fantasy, one chapter a day up until Christmas. Chapter 10. Bell Pong. When they were all inside, Jenny started to close the fire door behind them. No-Tail hopped down from her shoulder and ran back out through the door before it closed. The grey assassin could find her own way in. James had already turned his torch off, and Jenny held her eyes closed for a few seconds to help them get used to the dark. There was a little light filtering in from the huge round window on the front wall, and some from the tall thin windows on the side walls. From inside the space was awesome. One massive hall all the way up to the rafters. They had entered to the side of the altar, and rows of pews stretched out to their left. There were no adjoining rooms apart from the vestry to their right behind the altar. This way, Jenny said, and she started walking past the pews and back toward the main entrance. Even treading softly produced whispering echoes from her footsteps on the hard stone floor. Where's the bell? James asked in a whisper as he caught her up. In a room somewhere over the window. She pointed almost straight up. The top of the window was at least a hundred feet up. Above it, darkness ascended to the roof. The stairs were easy enough to find. They were in the corner to the right of the entrance, and wound in tight ninety-degree angles for twenty-seven steps until they stopped. The bricks transitioned to a little wooden hallway. This must lead to the balcony, Jenny whispered to the group behind her. The hallway indeed opened out to reveal the balcony, which stretched the full width of the church, and the huge organ which took up most of the space. Great silver-grey pipes reached upwards either side of the keyboards themselves. Above the organ, high on the wall, was a gloomy and rather creepy life-sized painting of Jesus on the cross. They passed silently underneath. In the far corner, a darkened gap in the dark bricks was cordoned off with a no-admission sign on a rope. Jenny unhooked the sign carefully. Behind it was another staircase. This one was much steeper and tighter than the first. After the second ninety-degree bend, it was pitch black. "'Do you want my torch?' James whispered. "'No. It might scare the bishop. I'll just feel the way with my hands.' And she did, step after step, turn after turn, until a dim light gave hint of an opening. Jenny walked forward cautiously, and her right hand, which had been dragging along the bare bricks, was suddenly touching nothing. There was a small empty archway built into the side of the staircase. It didn't seem like they had gone high enough to reach the bell room yet, but Jenny leaned through the archway to check. It led out onto a narrow brick walkway, which ran back along the side wall, right under the highest windows. It had no handrail or barrier, and the edge of the walkway ended with a drop of at least 80 feet down to the floor below. She shuddered and warned the others to stick to the stairs. After at least a hundred more steep stairs, they reached the top, where a tiny landing area sat between two brick archways. The left arch led out to an even narrower unprotected path along the wall, this one above the tall windows. The right arch took them across the front of the church, above the round window. Thankfully there was a low stone balustrade that offered at least some protection against the long fall back down to the balcony below. At the far end of this walkway was a small dark door. It was set into a large brick buttress that jutted out of the wall and supported a huge wooden beam that held up the front of the roof. The bellroom had to be beyond the door. Jenny stood still while the others gathered behind her. From her position she could see back down the length of the church. The two walkways on the right-hand side were matched by two on the left which meant that there might have been another door on the other side of the brick buttress that also led into the bellroom. A quick look over the low stone balustrade told Jenny she was right. Another lower walkway spanned the front wall, below the buttress and the round window, ending in a dark archway on the far side. "'Zen, Bobby,' she turned to the two rats, "'I need you to go back down to the first archway "'and look to see if you can get onto the walkway below this one.' "'Cross it to the far side and make your way up "'to see if there is a door on the opposite side of the buttress.' "'She pointed at the small door in front of them. "'If I'm right there is, "'wait by that door until you hear us go through this one.' "'The rats nodded and scuttled back down the stairs. "'A few seconds later, Jenny saw the tops of their heads "'as they ran silently across the lower walkway "'and disappeared into the dark arch on the far side. "'After waiting a whole minute to see if they came back, she was confident that they were in position. With her left shoulder touching the bricks of the front wall, Jenny slowly approached the door. It was wooden, painted black, or just naturally dark, and it was short, even for her. She bent down and put her hand on the metal handle. It felt cold, even through her woollen gloves. An acrid smell reached her nose when she put her face close to the door and listened. All quiet. Gripping the handle tight, she turned it and pushed it open, and stepped into the space beyond. A smell hit her in the face, ammonia, thick and strong, stinging her eyes and making her hold her breath. She blinked away tears and took in the strange sight. In the middle of the room a great bell hung from an immense beam, with a rope descending through a grate in the floor below it. Beyond the bell, Zen and Bobby burst through the far door. To the left of the bell were four big empty windows in the front wall, giving a dizzying view of the town below them. To the right was a dim glow from a candle lighting up a lectern that was up against a wall. On the lectern a large white pigeon perched over a huge open book. Jenny wiped her eyes and breathed shallow breaths through her mouth. James stood to her side, with Cece in his arms, and coughed twice. The source of the smell was clear. Below the lectern, underneath where the plump bird was perched, was a waist-high mound of white droppings. A smaller, knee-high bank of pale dung started at the wall on this side of the lectern and formed a semicircle around the bird, like its very own fortification.
1: You do know,
0: the bird said, not looking up from
1: its book, that even a fat old bird like me could be out of the window behind me before you or those two rats were halfway to this lectern.
0: Its voice was high and clear as a choir-boy's. Other than the bell, the lectern, the stinking droppings, and a pile of books along the back wall, the space was empty. "'And do you know,' Zen called out, his long pike ready in his hands. "'that this smell might kill you before my pike can?'
1: "'I find that the ammonia keeps me alert. "'A little discomfort sharpens the mind. "'Something that you rats might want to try.' "'I've got something
0: sharp that can cause more than a little discomfort!' Zen raised the pike, then called across to the children. "'Can we ask our questions and get out of here quick?'
1: "'Petty threats. If any of you steps any closer, I'll be out of that window.'
0: A small silhouette appeared at the window behind the bird. No-tail, with an arrow ready to fire.
1: "'Ah! It seems you have me at a disadvantage. I might stay put for a moment longer.'
0: On top of being in a high, dark bell room with a terrible, awful smell, something else about the scene nagged at Jenny. The bird took a peck into an inkwell that was being used as a seed bowl. Another inkwell next to it was full of ink, and various writing implements were resting at the bottom of the huge open book, brushes and quills and nibs. Do you know what the ringmaster is doing? Jenny asked, trying to breathe as little as possible as she did.
1: I have heard about it.
0: "'Where are they keeping the kidnapped animals?' James asked. Then he made a coughing, retching noise and disappeared back through the doorway.
1: "'My, my! That boy needs a stronger constitution!'
0: The bird took another peck of seed, and then, to Jenny's disgust, expelled a stream of white poo onto the top of the pile beneath it. "'Answer his question, you filthy bird!' Zen shouted.
1: "'So rude!' "'But I guess there is no need to keep it a secret. "'It's not like you would be able to get inside, anyway. "'They are being held in the old pumping station. "'You might know it as the engineerium. "'I wouldn't bother to try and rescue the animals. "'The place is too well guarded, "'and they probably won't be there long. "'If that's all you wanted, I'll bid you good-bye.'
0: The bird waved a wing at Jenny, then turned back to the book. With stinging eyes and nose, Jenny looked across to Zen and Bobby. The rats nodded and made their retreat. Jenny turned and closed the door behind her, taking a deep breath of non-stinking air. James was sitting on the walkway, back to the wall, feet up on the stone balustrade. "'Sorry,' he said. "'That smell got to me. And all that bird poo—it was filthy. I'm lucky I didn't throw up. Did the bishop tell you where the animals were taken?' He stood up slowly. Yes, and there was something about that bird that doesn't make sense. How it can stand being in that stink! James walked back to the top of the stairs. No, not just that, Jenny followed. Did you see the book it was reading? It looked like Chinese or Japanese, perhaps. Very strange. Strange, yes, James said. But there's no way I'm ever going back in there to find out. The way down the narrow staircase took longer than the way up. Partly because it was so treacherously steep— and partly because Jenny was shaken by the terrible smell. The rats were already on the balcony when the children arrived. Jenny remembered to put the rope with the no-admission sign back across the entrance to the stairs. Even when they were all back outside, in the road by the graffiti door, Jenny was sure she could still taste the smell of the bishop's room in the back of her throat. The group walked back toward Preston Park. "'I don't want to go back there in a hurry,' Zen said." "'That bird stinks, and I'm a rat!' "'It's story checks out,' Bobby said. "'We had a word with some other mercenaries, "'and there's definitely a big security job on at the old pumping station.' "'Old pumping station?' James asked. "'The engineerium,' Jenny said. "'The bishop called it that. I've never been to it, have you?' "'No. I don't think it's even open any more,' James turned to Zen. "'You think any of the mercenaries might be persuaded to switch sides?' "'That depends what you're paying.' I know a few of them, and they're an untrusty bunch at the best of times. Untrustworthy might be good for us, Jenny said. See what else you can find out. We can meet again. I've been thinking about that, James said. It would be good to set up a time and place where we know where you'll be, and we don't want to go near Preston Park, so I think that the clock tower in Blakers is the next best place. The rats agreed to be at Blakers Park clock tower each day at dawn and dusk. As promised, Jenny's sister Annabelle was waiting outside the multi-storey car park in Jenny's family car. Jenny took the front seat and James sat with Cece on his lap in the back. "'Is that a dog?' Annabelle said, twisting around. "'A monkey? You've got a monkey with you? What's that smell? It's making my eyes water!' "'It's bird poo. The smell must be on our clothes,' Jenny said with a groan. They explained all about Cece and the smell on the way home. Annabel listened while concentrating on driving on the left side of the road. After dropping James and Cece off, she parked the car back outside the house. I said I was going to the pub, Annabel said, so Mum and Dad are expecting me to come back whenever. They won't be expecting that smell, though. I think we might have to wash the car seats to get it out. At least we don't have a monkey to take care of, though. While her older sister made a noisy entrance, Jenny sneaked upstairs to her room. She took off her clothes and stuffed them into an old plastic bag. After a quick shower, she changed into her pyjamas. It wasn't until she went back into her room that she realised Annabelle might have been right about washing the car seats. As soon as she opened her bedroom door, she could smell the bishop. Just being near the bag with her clothes in made her eyes water. There was a knock at her door. It was Annabelle. "'I just checked the car,' she said. "'It smells awful.' I got an old perfume bottle, one of those ones that Gran gets us every Christmas. Lavender and rose, or something flowery anyway. I spilled a good load on the seats, so they still stink, but at least I can explain it. Where are your clothes? Jenny fetched a bag. I'll put a wash on. I need to do one anyway. My jeans haven't been washed in a month. I just hope that bird pong doesn't end up rubbing off on my clothes. How long were you in the same room as that? What did you call it? The bishop, Jenny said. I don't think we were in there for more than a few minutes, and I'm sure that I missed something in there. Well, I won't miss the Bishop's smell, that's for sure. Jenny thanked her sister. It was late, way past bedtime, and although she wanted to stay up and do some research on the engineerium, she forced herself into bed. The mystery was still growing. The circus, the Bishop, the Ringmaster, Elf and the Monkey Dogs, kidnapped animals, not to mention the Inspector. There were too many variables and not enough information to solve the mystery now. The part that Jenny wanted to focus on next was Elf. Somehow, the diminutive French girl was always mixed up in some kind of trouble. And this time was no exception.